0: Welcome to Current Radio's politics station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Switching gears to international relations, Abbey Australia and Papua New Guinea have signed a bilateral security agreement. This is a significant move, isn't it?
1: Certainly, Michael. The pact will provide more assistance to PNG's police and support for its legal system. This comes after PNG signed a defense deal with the United States in May. So it's a very strategic move.
0: Right, and this is not just about security, but also about the close ties between the two countries. PNG's Prime Minister, James Marape, referred to the two nations as brother and sister.
1: Yes, and it's worth noting that PNG's judiciary, public service, and borders were established by Australia before PNG became an independent nation 48 years ago. So there's a deep historical connection.
0: And the agreement is being lauded as comprehensive and historic. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said it would make it easier for Australia to help PNG address its internal security needs. This is a big deal, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And Albanese also paid tribute to the support PNG's population gave to Australian service members during World War II, highlighting a defense relationship forged through sacrifice.
0: That's a poignant point, Abby. Now, the text of the agreement says that enhancing PNG's capabilities contributes to Pacific-led regional security and stability. So it's not just about Australia and PNG, but the entire Pacific
1: region. And let's not forget about the context here. There's a growing rivalry between Washington and Beijing in the Asia-Pacific. China has been trying to boost its security presence in the Pacific Islands. This agreement could be seen as a counter-move.
0: And Australian Defense Minister Richard Marles mentioned that a meeting of South Pacific defense ministers, including PNG, had agreed to consider forming a Pacific response group for emergency assistance. This is a broader regional strategy.
1: Exactly, Michael. And the agreement also covers climate change, cybersecurity, and disaster relief. It's comprehensive in the true sense. But there's a delicate balance to maintain here. PNG is eager to deal with Canberra and Washington, but doesn't want to provoke Beijing.
0: That's a fine line to walk, Abby. As Marape said, our major foreign policy remains friends to all and enemies to none. It's a challenging diplomatic landscape, isn't it?
1: Indeed, it is. And China has been on its own PNG charm offensive, pouring money into trade, property, and infrastructure projects. It's a complex game of diplomacy and strategy, and we'll have to see how it all unfolds.
0: From the complex diplomatic landscape of the Pacific, we now turn our attention to another region grappling with its own complexities. Let's journey to South America, where a controversial figure has re-emerged into the spotlight, causing a stir in Peru. Let's switch gears to Peru, where former President Alberto Fujimori, who was serving a 25-year prison term for human rights abuses, has been released. Abby, this has caused quite a stir, hasn't
1: it? Indeed, Michael. Fujimori's release after 16 years in prison has certainly divided opinions. His supporters are jubilant, believing that he saved Peru from the Shining Path armed group and economic collapse.
0: Yes. And yet there are critics who say he abused democracy and committed atrocities during his government's battle against the Shining Path. It's a complex situation, and it's important to remember that Fujimori was convicted of ordering the killing of 25 people in 1991 and 1992.
1: Right, and his pardon in 2017 by then-President Pedro Pablo Kuczynski has been a contentious issue. It's been annulled or suspended by lower courts due to pressure from the Inter-American Court and victims' families. But this week, the country's highest court restored it.
0: And that's not all. Fujimori also faces other legal woes. He's pleaded guilty to bribing lawmakers, spying on rivals while in power, and was investigated over the forced sterilization of hundreds of thousands of poor, mostly indigenous women during his final four years in power. It's a heavy... Wait, Michael,
1: let's not gloss over that. The forced sterilization issue is a horrifying chapter in Peru's history an estimated 270,000 Peruvians, many of them indigenous people who did not speak Spanish, underwent surgery to have their fallopian tubes tied as part of a family planning program implemented under Fujimori.
0: Yes, you're right, Abby, it's a horrifying act. And in 2021, a judge ruled that Fujimori could not at the time be prosecuted in the case for technical legal reasons. It's a dark cloud that continues to hang over Fujimori's legacy.
1: It's a stark reminder that the past is never truly past, and the victims of these abuses still seek justice. It's a complex situation, one that will continue to unfold and affect Peru's political landscape.
0: Absolutely, Abby. It's a story that will continue to follow closely. There's a lot more to unpack here about Fujimori's legacy, the political climate in Peru, and the ongoing quest for justice for his victims. From the complex political landscape of Peru, Let's turn our attention now to the home front. The race for the White House is heating up, with the recent Republican presidential primary debate offering some interesting dynamics. Let's dive into the intricacies of the debate and the key players involved. Abby, let's dive into the recent Republican presidential primary debate. A lot to unpack there, starting with former UN ambassador Nikki Haley and Florida governor Ron DeSantis, who are vying for the second place position.
1: Indeed, Michael. Haley has been making strides in the early state public polling, which seemed to make her a target of attacks early on. Interestingly, though, Chris Christie came to her defense at one point.
0: Right. And this was despite Christie himself using his airtime to hit at Trump for skipping the debates. He accused his onstage opponents of being hesitant to cross Trump, who holds a dominant polling lead in the primary race.
1: Speaking of Trump, His absence was a significant aspect of the debate, wasn't it? His dismissal of the debates has continued to deny any of his rivals the opportunity to challenge him directly and has diminished the event's draw. Christie even
0: called Trump unfit for office, right? Christie's not holding back, that's for sure. But let's also talk about tech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. He's been espousing conspiracy theories and leveling personal attacks on his rivals.
1: Absolutely, Michael. His behavior was quite noticeable, especially his personal attacks on Haley, which led to Christie defending her. Despite the onslaught, Haley held her ground, even managing to make light of the situation.
0: And what about the issues discussed during the debate? While they covered a range of topics, from border security to Trump's fitness for office, they notably didn't discuss abortion. That's a key issue for conservatives and one of the most divisive issues of the 2024 cycle.
1: Right, Michael, and with the Republican National Committee potentially releasing the candidates to face off in other events, it'll be interesting to see how the dynamics change. But let's not forget the hostility voiced toward immigrants and foreign powers by the candidates.
0: Yes, from Haley supporting a ban on migration from Muslim countries, to DeSantis referring to traditional Arab clothing as man dresses, it was quite a display. And then there was Ramaswamy's proposal to provide the Taiwanese people with firearms, which is a significant shift from the U.S.'s long-standing policy of strategic ambiguity.
1: Absolutely, Michael. The debate was certainly heated, and it's clear that the race for the Republican nomination is intensifying. It will be interesting to see how these dynamics evolve as we approach the Iowa caucuses.
0: From the national stage to the city level, politics is never short of drama and intrigue. Speaking of which, let's switch gears now and delve into some recent polling data that has emerged about a key figure in New York City politics. The findings are quite revealing and point to some serious challenges ahead. The latest Quinnipiac University poll has some stark findings about Mayor Eric Adams. Don't you think, Abby?
1: Absolutely, Michael. An approval rating of just 28% is quite telling. It's the lowest since the university began polling city voters in 1996.
0: And that's not all. The poll also revealed that 58% of New Yorkers disapprove of his performance. That's more than half of the voters surveyed.
1: Yes. And these results come as Adams is dealing with a federal investigation into his 2021 mayoral campaign and potential involvement with the Turkish government. Not to mention criticism for his proposed budget cuts to offset the expense of the asylum seeker crisis.
0: Right. And speaking of specific issues... Respondents gave Adams low marks on his handling of crime, the influx of asylum seekers into the city, and the city budget. Majority of them disapprove of his handling of these issues.
1: The pending federal inquiry into Adams's campaign also seems to be impacting his approval rating. 22% of respondents believe Adams did something illegal, while 30% believe he did something unethical but not illegal. Only 20% believe he did nothing wrong at all.
0: This poll is only the latest to suggest that Adams's popularity might be on the decline as he enters his third year in office. A Marist College poll last month found similar results.
1: And let's not forget, whispers about prospective challenges to his left have only grown stronger as the mayor faces more scrutiny. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the coming months, especially with Adams not up for re-election until 2025.
0: Indeed, Abby. It's a long road ahead for Mayor Adams. With such low approval ratings and growing scrutiny, it will be interesting to see how he navigates these challenges and what his strategy will be to regain the trust of New
1: Yorkers. Absolutely, Michael. It's a delicate balance between managing the city's budget, addressing crime, handling the influx of asylum seekers, and dealing with a federal investigation, all while trying to maintain public trust and
0: turn around his sinking approval ratings. Yes, a delicate balance indeed.